Some on the text we've been looking at for some time. Today we look at the greatest commandment of all, even according to the Lord, the greatest commandment of all. And so if you'll turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 12, beginning at verse 28. The Gospel of Mark chapter 12 and verse 28. Says that one of the scribes came, having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, he asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And with all thy strength, this is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength. And to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now listen carefully. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that dares ask him any questions. No one dared ask him any questions. The same, the same in Luke, I'm sorry, in Matthew, in chapter 22. I, say, I contrast these so you'll see the little different wording that the Holy Spirit used to give you a little more insight. Verse 34. Matthew 22 and verse 34. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees of silence, they were gathered together. And one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the, good, uh, the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. A little different wording. A couple things we want to talk about there. Let's pray this morning. Father, we just thank you for this hour. We ask that your Holy Spirit come and touch each heart here this morning. We pray that you would impress on us each our need for who you are and what you do. Help us, Lord, to be drawn to you for growth for understanding, for salvation. Lord, for just the things that we need to live this life as you've called us to live it. We believe that you gave us life with a purpose. Help us to live intentionally to fulfill that thing, whatever it may be. And so, Father, this morning we thank you. ask you for your peace, that you would push out the cares and the, the things of this life that would take our mind from understanding and hearing and reflecting properly upon your word. 
us to understand, we pray now. Be with us. Be very near. Walk freely among us this morning and teach us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we finished. The, the last message was um, the argument of the resurrection, if you remember. And that was the Sadducees, and now the Pharisees come back seeing the Sadducees were put to silence. Now, in the complete understanding of the things that we're talking about, these people that were listening in the multitudes and the crowds were used to a real reverence for these people as religious leaders who knew, who knew it all. And here they have this Christ come and say, no, no, you're very wrong. As a matter of fact, you're not even heaven bound. You're lost. And you're lost the worst way lost can be because you're lost in religion. You're not lost in, in the things that the world call vulgar. You're not lost in what the world would call sinful things, but they're more sinful than the things the world sees because you're doing it against God and against his kingdom and you're teaching people lies that would prevent them from entering the kingdom. And so these people are very angry with Christ and the crowds are listening. These crowds of people who were in reverence and sometimes even all of these Pharisees and these scribes, the way they dressed and the way they carried themselves, very arrogant, most of them, and they carried themselves in such a way that I am the answer. I know the answer. I have and I am the answer. And Jesus came and said, no, you don't even know the question. And so you see the anger of these people. He's messing up their livelihood. He's messing up their money. And he's really messing up how people see them. And they're very, very upset about this. Now, what I want to say this morning is we're starting this morning into a passage that leads, it's going to take two or three weeks, but it leads into the sermon that the Lord gave on the Mount of Olives, his last sermon. These are the last teachings of Christ on this earth. We're in the portion now where people say he got very rude, he, got very, he did not get rude, by the way, that those are lies. He got very straight with them. He told them what was what. And when you go back into the Old Testament, as Jeremiah was talking about these things that were going to happen, he said, and when these things began to happen, the men will sort of act like women. They're going to back off and get all, no, I don't, don't want to get involved. And he said this, get involved. You get involved with the last days and things that are going on. If you can pull one from the fire, if you can bring one home when you come home, if you can convince one person by your witness, and uh, as a young man, I was, uh, I said repeatedly from the pulpit from time to time, I would never beg anybody. I found out I will. I will beg people. I will beg people to see the truth of the gospel. I will beg them. What I would, and particularly what I would strongly urge some people, what I would strongly urge my friends and acquaintances to believe, and I'm, and I'm not saying believe me, I'm, really, I'm saying this is what the Bible says. I would strongly advise people to listen to and read and to understand. I will beg my children to get, I would beg them to understand it. I will. I do. I will. And uh, little grandkids teach you a whole lot about yourself. But I would beg. I, I, I guess as a young man I was more arrogant than even than I am. So I just said I'd never beg anybody. Tell them what it is. Let them decide. That's kind of an arrogant view. And now I'll, do, I'll beg them. Please understand that. Please understand that 
if you don't accept Jesus Christ, you're going to go to hell. You are not going to go to heaven. And the answer to that from so many people is, I'm a good person, I'm this, I'm that. In your opinion, not God's. That's so sad. It's so frightening. Why am I not a good person? I work every day. I do what I'm supposed to do. I've never killed anyone. That's the answer I get most of the time. Here's the answer. Yes, you have. You killed Jesus Christ. You're sent to Christ on the cross. And to, and to every day say to Jesus Christ, I don't need you. Don't want you. Don't need you. I, I've got it. Just to spit in his face and say, I don't need you. And one of these days we're going to stand before him. Everyone in this room, everyone on this planet is going to stand before the Lord. Those who are redeemed are going to uh, have their life recounted. And life is going to pass through a fire. And what you did for him is going to come out purified. Gold, silver, precious stones. Purified. It will be the offer back to him for his, for his love. Everything we did for us is going to burn up. Wood, wood uh, stone, hay. Going to burn up. And the Bible says the Lord is going to take a garner's fan and blow across that pile of ashes and what's left is going to be what we did for him. The gold, the worship that we did for him. The things, the silver, the things that we did for him and the precious stones are those things that we did for him. Different level and different things. And we're going to gather those back up and hand them to him. What's going to be left in your pile? You know, we're going to hit a passage here in a little bit, and I want you to pre-think about it. You ever heard of pre-thinking? I haven't either. But I want you to think about it before we get there. In the latter part of this hour, and I promise you, I, I often run over, but I promise you I want to hit this before we go home. The next passage I didn't read this morning we're going to get to is this. The Lord turns to the Pharisees and says, what think you of Christ? What think you of Christ? Let me answer something for you before we go any further. What you're doing with your life is what you think of Christ. The answer is given daily. What think you of Christ? What do you think? You think he's worth bowing to? You think he's worth doing for? Or do you think he's worth ignoring and saying this? You know what, preacher? When I get in the hospital, and when they got oxygen down my throat, and they got a machine breathing for me, would you come? Will you come when there's a machine breathing? Will you come that day and we'll pray and just, oh, we'll just tell the Lord, I really did love him all these years, but I just didn't tell him these years. Why don't you do it now? I mean, why don't, why don't the world do it now? But the Lord's going to ask a question to the Pharisees with the people listening who are standing around going, we for years admired and believed everything these fellows said. This one comes along with all the, it's logical by the way, but he, he describes it, he explains it in a way that it makes perfect sense. And he says this, oh, you do great to error. You do great to error. Next week we're going to the woes that he pronounced upon the Pharisees and the scribes. He said, not only do you err, you're leading others away from the kingdom. Your hell's going to be hot. Now, folks, 
all these macho dads. I, I grew up around uh, macho dads who say, I want my kids to grow up and decide. I'm just going to raise my kids and let them grow up. I don't want to be influential in what they decide. I want them to grow up and just decide. I don't want to be the one to tell them what's right and what's wrong. The Bible says train up a child. That's a command. Train up a child. You, Lord bless you with a child. You've got a job to do. And it's a tough one. But it's a wonderful, it's, it's fun, it's, it's a whole bunch of things. But Lord gives you a baby, now you got a job. you got a job now. Not only do you need to tell them and show them, you need to live before them that they know you believe it. You know what my dad told me? You know what my dad told me? And then they say this, and he showed me. He told me and he showed me. I was uh, working with a man who was a psychologist one day, and uh, he said, my answers made him laugh. Well, I bet they did. And he said to me, what kind of home were you brought up in? I told him the best I knew, and he said, what's the greatest thing your dad ever taught you? What's the greatest thing your dad ever taught you? I didn't think about that. Give me a minute. I believe this. He showed me how to live. And then he showed me how to die. He showed me. Well, folks, one of these days, if you're a Christian, you're going to stand before the Lord. The question of the judgment is not heaven or hell. It's rewards or loss. It is rewards for what you did or loss for what you wouldn't do. Can you get saved and live like you're not saved? Yep, you sure can. And I'll tell you what, a lot of people do. But they're going to meet the Lord one day and look in the, the eyes of the one who died on the cross for them and say this. I want to do what I want to do. Do you know that yet? Don't you understand? I want to do what I want to do. And the Lord I understand perfectly. And you did. Now folks, you may have not heard this, but this is the truth of the matter. I believe we're going to be shown in that time what we could have had. But what we actually chose. Think about that. This young man runs up to the Lord and says, what is the great commandment? Is there a great commandment? Is there one commandment that supersedes or there's greater preeminent over the others? Over the rest? And the Lord said, there is. There sure is. Isn't that something? They were big on commandments. They wouldn't do certain things, and they did certain things, and they made it ridiculous, honestly. That's scary to say in a pulpit, but they made it ridiculous. They carried it down to where the Lord said, you, made, you put things on people that we never said. The Father and I never, never said that. And you put them on them as a commandment, and there's a stiff punishment for not doing it, and it doesn't help them. As a matter of fact, it leads them away. Your rules, the rules that you've twisted, Make them not understand who we are. We gave the commandments so people would know us. You've twisted them so they would think better of you, and you're leading them to hell. He said, you demand things that you wouldn't lift a little finger. You wouldn't lift your little finger to do, but you demand it of them. If they don't, quite a price with that. He says there is one. There is one commandment greater than the other, and that is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You see the unity in this Christ. 
When you go back to the 17th of John, when you study the 17th of John, it is his last prayer. And that unity is all through there. That they may be one in us as we are one. He's, he's praying for every Christian ever to be born again. He said, not only these that you've given me now, but for all those who will believe on their witness through the years. In the garden before Christ died on the cross, he prayed for you and for me. He prayed for unity with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. And he prayed that we would have, as brothers and sisters in Christ, a unity that was indivisible. He said, there is a commandment, it's this. First of all, you've got to know this, God is one. They understood the Trinity. They understood the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. He said they're one. They're indivisible. One doesn't act without the other. And none of them react ever. Well, that's big to know. Not one of the Holy Spirit, Father, or Son react apart from the other. Neither, neither or neither would they ever contradict each other. I've heard people tell me they've done some vulgar things, or I think vulgar, or... or against their marriage vows and different things, said the Lord told me to. The Lord told me to. Well, now I know that we're not dealing with somebody who's got much going. The Lord never tells you. The Lord never tells you to break His word. Never. It's not going to happen. And not one of the Trinity is going to do it. The Holy Spirit's not going to say, well, God said that. And I know the Lord said that, but I'm telling you it's okay. And I've had people say that to me. They're wrong. And so He says, the Lord is one. Get that understanding. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now back in Matthew, it doesn't say strength. I'm just saying there are different words, and it's interesting to read all the passages you can to get the, two, the uh, total truth and picture. And he says in the first, this is the first commandment. The second is like it. Namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Matthew says, that lawyer, and he's the only one that says it, asking the question, tempting him. Now this is the thing I'm talking about is, these people, were, there's a crowd that would draw around this. And these people were there to catch Jesus in his words. They were going to outsmart him and out uh, teach him a lesson by outsmarting him. Folks, it's not good business to out, try to outsmart God. I mean, it, it sounds like a foolish thing to even mention. It's not good business to try to outsmart God. And yet, how many people justify their behavior that's unscriptural and say that God told them to? Or I know it's okay. Or God understands I'm just a flesh. I'm just a weak flesh. Well, God does surely understand we're weak flesh. But he never contradicts himself and okays sin. And so these people are standing around who have been in reverence, really, for these people. And all of a sudden, here comes this one. This one. And don't you know when God speaks, there's something about the heart that understands. Something about his words and his actions. The love in his eyes. And he says the thing, and the people go, well, that's it right there. They've been teaching that other for years, but this is the truth of the matter right here. And they hated him, the Bible says, all the more. And decided how they might put him to death. Folks, I say that for this reason. What kind of heart do you have? Does the truth make you want to kill the thing? Shoot the messenger? Or does it make you want to repent and say, man, I've been wrong. I'm glad I heard the truth. 
those are the two ways it affects people. You either hear the truth and you get stiff-necked and you bull up and you say, that's not me, I'm not, I don't have to do that. Or else you say, Lord, I didn't know that's what you wanted. I'm glad to give it to you. No, I'll give it to you. I said this morning in the first time, many of you weren't here, I want to say this to you, that what I learned since I've been in the ministry and the more impressed I am about it every day is this. The Bible is not what I thought it was when I was a young Christian. The Bible does not say what I thought it said. It is not what I thought it was when I was a young Christian. This Bible has restrictions. It has those commandments. And the Lord means what he says. I was brought up in a feel-good Christianity that said as long as you believe there's a God, as long as you believe that Jesus is his son and died on the cross, we're going to find out in a minute. This man knew that that's exactly what the truth was. And what did Jesus say? You're headed for heaven, my son. He said not. He said, you're not far from the kingdom. You understand it here. Man, you need it here. You need it because of what you know about God, that he is one. And you're, and you're loving with all your body. He added more than Jesus did. You know what he said? And all that's bigger than all the sacrifices and the whole burnt offerings. It's a bigger deal than that. And the Lord said... Read your Bible, it's pretty funny. He said, he answered, when the Lord perceived, he answered discreetly. Now that word means having a mind. The Lord's like, well, he's got a brain. He, he does know. He's got a mind. But do you know with me this morning, the Lord's taking hearts to heaven. You can know a lot. How many of us know a lot and do little with it? And I'm telling you, when you get older, that's just part of the plan. You know how to do a lot of things you learn over life, and you just don't have to go care so much. So this is a great commandment. The Lord said there is a great commandment. This is it. To love the Lord with everything in you. And there's a sister commandment that says love your neighbor as yourself, and the two cannot be broken or divided. They're indivisible. Matter of fact, one becomes the test of the other. When you see someone mistreating their brother, you can know they don't love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and body strength. You, you can know that because they're indivisible. They cannot be divided. And you know this, when you see someone loving God with everything in them, they're going to love their brother as well. Does everybody not do what you want them to do? Because, I mean, you're special. I'm talking to myself, if you let me rant for just a minute. Does everybody not line up with your thinking? So what should we do? Destroy them? Ignore them? Mock them? Belittle them? Hate them? What do you do with people who don't think like you and I think? Well, I'll tell you a little bit of secret. If we get together together long enough, just two of us, we're not going to find out we have some things that we don't agree on as well. But this world is not our home. Did you know the Bible says that evil men and seducers show acts worse and worse and they're doing it? Did you know that? Amen, brother. The Bible says evil men shall wax worse and worse. You know how they do that? Deceiving and being deceived and deceived. That's just a circle and a cycle. Feeding on each other's fungus. They're deceiving. And when they deceive and they take advantage of whoever they can, 
those who are younger, those who are lesser, those who are older, those who can't for themselves. That's how they feed on people. And they feed on fear. They feed on fear. And they deceive. And then they get deceived. And then they use that for more deception. And the cycle grows and it just becomes a cancer. But evil men, men who have dark plans and purpose, Men who want the things of this world that aren't going to last in the next life at all, but they want all they can get for now at any cost. Evil men are waxing. They're growing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And the Lord said, now be careful. Don't be uh, swayed by every wind of doctrine. Don't let everything they say affect you. You listen to me. I want to say that I think that's the greatest thing a parent can give their children is the courage is the courage to listen to and follow the truth in a world that just not so anxious for that look at the commercials look what they say look what they're look what they're um, giving prescriptions to and for and what their medi what their medicines are for listen carefully what the world is saying when I was in school, I believe, I believe, I believe that I left school. I know that I left school in 76, but I believe when I left school in 1976, that thing was on a pivotal changing thing. It really changed after that. And a conversation I had with a college professor uh, six years ago was this. He came down to my business and said this, I want you to quit telling my students what you think. And I said, you do? Oh, you're going to have a bad day. I'm not even going to slow down. He said, no, I demand it. You quit telling my students what, the, what you think. And I said, when were my rights taken away? I paid my taxes. And he said, I don't like what you think. I said, well, okay, we, well, we can agree on that. Teacher of, of religion slash philosophy, professor of that. I don't want you to tell my students what to think, what you think. And I said, here's what I've observed since I was in school. And folks, don't, please, uh, text each other, not me. Um, here's what, here's what I, I learned since I got out of school. When I was in school, it seemed to be the last stages of some of this anyway, where they taught us how to think. And now they're telling them what to think. You know what he said? That's exactly right. It's been a long plan, and you're messing things up. The Lord said, I want you to learn how to think. I gave you a mind. I want you to use it. Think on these things. Think on these things. Now, is there much of a difference between being taught how to think and being told what to think? That's big, folks. That is big. And I said, these students are coming down saying, if they don't answer your answer, if they don't answer what you said, even though it isn't, that you'll flunk them. He said, that's right. That's right. My answers are going to get to A. Well, that's people. That's putting their future, their livelihood on the line. That's interesting. Now, this all-encompassing uh, great commandment, it cannot be broken. By the way, there are two, and he said they are 
unified and cannot be broken. And I say this, one is uh, clearly the test of the other, of genuineness. One is. And the Lord said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In 1 John 4 and 20, the Bible says, if a man say, I love God and hate his brother, he is a liar. Now, I was told in a court of law in Douglas County in the uh, year 2000, you can't use the word liar. You can't say someone's a liar in, in court of law. And, <laughs> and so I said, what do you call liars in Douglas County? And I was a bad man. That's a bad person to talk like that. You just said, what? I said, I'm sorry, I'm from Tonganatsu. What do you call liars over here in Lawrence? And he said, duplicitous of truth. Well, shoot, I can't hardly even say that. And I said, well, there's a lot of duplicitous of truth in the room going on right now. You're going to help me? And he said, that's enough of that. I was being arrogant or being cocky, he said. I said, man, I'm, you, I'm looking right at you. You're the man with the robe and the gavel that can say things and make my life this way or the other. There people lying about it. And my life's on the line. Now, I can tell you, man, lying right there. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, if a man say, I love God and hate his brother, he's a liar. You know, God can talk that way. But you and I can't talk that way. Can I tell you this? If you're not up, up, on, up to speed... A lot of lying going on these days. There's a lot of lying out there. L-Y-I-N-G lying. Lies. All lies. I say to you from time to time, and you look at me like I'm speaking Swahili, outside these doors is a lie. It is false. It is a lie. Satan heard you. Jesus Satan heard Jesus in the garden say to Adam and Eve, the day that you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. And that became his purpose, his intention. And the Bible says in John chapter 8 that Satan is the father of all lies. He's a liar, can't tell the truth. Folks, it's his world now. He's in charge and this world's a lie. I don't know what you do with that. I don't know what you want to do with that. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the world outside of here is a lie. It's a big fat lie. How much you want to believe that and get involved in that's your deal. It says he that loveth God loveth his brother also. So the two commandments are one. And one being the test of the other. If that's the test of the other, the question I have is how are we doing? How are we doing with that test? Loving our brother is the same as loving God. How are we doing? We're going to answer, by the way. You don't have to right now. You can look at me and say, move on. But I'm telling you this. We will answer that question before the Lord one day. Did you love me? Well, thank you, Christ. Did you love me? You did. How long was that neighbor across your fence? 42 years. How often did you witness Christ to them? How often you tell them how much I love them? Okay. I hope the Lord understands how busy we are, don't you? I hope he'll. The one who came to redeem the world and stopped every Sabbath and went to the temple and read the Word of God, I hope he understands that we don't have that kind of time. I mean, all he ever did was save us from hell. 
All he ever did was take the sin of humanity on the cross and pay for our debt. But we are busy, folks. You know what a man told me the other day? The Lord didn't have a mortgage. <laughs> you want to start talking stupid? Let's get with it. You know I can talk as stupid as you do. Here's the answer. Is that the answer? The Lord didn't have a mortgage, didn't pay insurance. Is that the answer? This man went to the temple, opened the scroll, and said, Thus saith the Lord. And he read the word of God and through, with distinction. Caused them to gain the sense of it. Taught them what the truth of what this life's about. And if, uh, by the way, if your mortgage is keeping you from God, you need to get, you need to uh, bear down. They make those houses on wheels and don't cost that much. Get one. You get to God. You get to God. The scribe said, well done, man. Well, it's interesting. The scribe said, well, master. Well said what he says. Well said. Well, master, thou said the truth. For there is one God and none other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength is to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Mark 12, 33. Which reminds me of this passage where Paul said to those in Corinth, he said, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. If I speak to you and all the eloquence, you know, you got to use your imagination right now, but if I'm speaking to you and it sounds very eloquent to you and the motivation behind what I'm saying isn't love, the Bible says it's just a bunch of noise. Tinkling symbol and sounding brass. Just noise. And I agree with that, by the way. I do. I've heard men preach. I've heard men give speeches. I've heard men speak. And the people say, isn't he a wonderful speaker? All I can tell you is he didn't say anything. And I say, what did you get from that? Well, not much. He speaks so high. No. He's speaking low. You speak to your audience. And you say something to them. But can I tell you this? Don't be enamored with someone saying nothing or you're going to spend your whole life hearing nothing and being grateful for it. There's a lot of it out there. Paul said, though I speak with the tongue of men and angels and have not love, I become as a sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. Listen now. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith, so that I can remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and give my body to be burned, pretty good sacrifice, and have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffereth long. You hear that? Love suffers long and is kind. Love envieth not, vaunteth not itself, and is not puffed up. What was Jesus dealing with with these Pharisees and these Sadducees? It says, When Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, 
that is, in a mind-having way. <laughs> he answered like he had a brain, he said. He said, Lord, you're right. You said it right. The Lord said, good for you. And here's what the Lord said. Now, much like the rich young ruler who came before Christ and said, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And the Lord told him. And he said, well, I've done all those things since I was young. And the Lord said, well, one thing you lack. And again, he was talking to him. He said, one thing you lack. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and come and follow me. That man, that rich young ruler, said, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And he called him good master because that is the key to understanding his mind thinking. His mind thought, his patterns were this. What do I need to do to be good enough? You're a good master. How do I become a good man? You're a good man. How do I get to be a good man? And the Lord said, well, here's a good thing. Give him the commandments. And he said, I've done all that. since I've obeyed my parents. I've done these things. I've been a good neighbor. Good. And he said, well, there's one more thing you lack. And you know what it said? You read your Bible. Go back there. It's only about three, three chapters back in Mark. But you know what he said to him? And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said you lack one thing that's the love of God to tell the truth the love of God says you know what that man thought you know what he thought because it said he went away sorrowful and it never says he came back doesn't say he didn't but he went away very sorrowful because he had the Bible says much possession the Lord loved him and said this you're not far from the kingdom and he couldn't believe it. He was expecting a pat on the head going, you're one of the few that understand. Well, you're, you're a shoe-in. You're going straight to heaven. And he didn't say that. This man says, you said right, Lord. You said right, Master. Boy, you said it right. And this is what it is. And it's even bigger than you said. It's bigger than burnt, whole burnt offerings. And the Lord said, you're not far from the kingdom. I am positive that was not the answer he was looking for. What is the answer then? You know in your head all the right stuff. You've never bowed before Christ and received salvation. You've never, never submitted yourself to Christ. Listen to what the Bible says. Romans 10 and 1 says, Brethren, my heart's desire, and this is Paul speaking. Romans 10 and 1, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear the record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Well, they're religious, and they follow the commandments to the letter. If you had milk and meat on the same stove, they'd throw it all out, scrub the house down, have the spring cleaned before they could have another meal. Because there's one verse that says, do not seize the kid in his mother's milk. And the kid would be a young goat, not a child. Do not seize the kid in his mother's milk. And if they came in and somebody put dairy and meat on the same skillet? Well, McDonald's a lot of business. You couldn't put cheese and meat together. You couldn't put milk and meat together. It said, do not seed. Now think of, the, think of the implications of what the actual verse says. Do not, it says, do not scald the baby in the mother's milk is what it says. Folks, think of the implications of that thought for today. Don't destroy the baby through the power of the mother. 
don't destroy the offspring through what was supposed to nourish the baby. Don't take what was meant to make the baby whole and well and destroy the baby with it. Think about that just a little bit. Ponder that idea. But they had all those little things that they just kept to nth degree, but they didn't know God. They were good people. They were righteous people. And folks, if there's one thing I fought in my ministry, it's getting people led to Christ that knew other Christians. The biggest block for people coming to Christ is the knowledge they have of other Christians. Too many phonies. Too many people say one thing and live something else. Too many people who are hypocrites. Now that is a sad truth, but it's also a weak defense. It's a weak defense. Will they do anything else in the world where there's people that are hypocrites there? You better believe it. You want to go have a steak and a baked potato tonight? I don't know, there might be hypocrites at the steakhouse. That doesn't keep them out of there, does it? And go to the dance hall? You think there's not hypocrites at the dance hall? The Lord said this through the Apostle Paul. For I bear them record. I would have Israel be saved, but I bear record. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. The next verse, Romans 10 and 3, says this. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness... And going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Paul told the Philippians, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dumb that I may win Christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is God by faith. You know when you, you, know when you need to be righteous? After you're saved. <laughs> righteousness doesn't, you're not good enough to go to heaven. You're, you're not good enough. You're not, you don't have what it takes, the ability to go to heaven in your own strength and power and goodness. It's not there. It is that spirit of God that has to take you there. That's why I preached since I was a young, young boy preaching. And I'll keep preaching until I die. Is this, the Bible says in Ephesians, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's why Christians cannot go to hell. You have to take the Spirit down to hell. He's not going to hell. He, he doesn't, that's not his place. You are sealed with the day of redemption with the Spirit of God, the Bible says. Sealed. He's that one that when you first get saved, he says this. You shouldn't do that. And when you're first saved, you don't do it. But you get a little older. And uh, I want to. And the Holy Spirit says, don't go over there. Don't go to the address. Don't go there. Don't do what you're going to do here. Don't do it. I want to. I want to. And you do it. And though you walk out an hour later, two hours later, you walk out, you look the same. Nobody knows a thing about it. Something changed inside of you forever. And here's what it comes up to. You're going to try to hide that. And you're going to live in a world of bitterness because you're excusing yourself, not to me, to God. 
You're living in a world where you say this. I deserve to have done that. Or they deserve to have that done to them or whatever it is. It was okay because then you start excusing and the Holy Spirit saying, some reason when something isn't working in someone's life, they ramp up what they're doing instead of changing. It's amazing. Paul said this, this group that I'm in follows an Israelite. He said, you know what? I, I bear record that I would love to have Israel get saved. And I can testify and bear record of this. They have a zeal for God. Man, they are religious people. But they're not righteous people. They're religious, but they're not relation to Jesus Christ. You know how I know that? Because he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. We have no relationship. Didn't we cast out demons? Prophesy in your name? Have you prophesied in Christ's name lately? He didn't say they didn't. Have you done wonderful works in Jesus' name lately? And he says, okay. He's going to say, depart from me, workers of iniquity. I never knew you. To do the best things there are to do in this world outside the proper motivation. Paul says, if I speak with the tongue of men and angels and have my love, I'm nothing. To do all the best things in the world without the motivation being proper, that is this. I'm going to do that for them because Christ did it for me. I'm going to live my life to show the world how good he is. And when I start getting the credit, I'm going to tell them it's not me. Oh, it's not me. It's not me. Here's a $20 bill. Here's a $100 bill. What do you need? What do you need? Well, thank you for that. God gave that to me. And he gave me more so I can give you this one. And we'll be just fine. And the world just, for some reason, doesn't want to believe that. The world really believes today. They really believe. Most of the world believes. Everything I get, I'm going to hang on to. It can pass through your hand so fast, you'll forget you ever had it and yet not have done the thing that God could have prospered it to, given with the right heart. I live in the world. I close with this passage this morning. It's the last passage. It's Revelation chapter 3 and verse 17. Revelation 3 and 17. He's speaking, the Lord's speaking to the church of Laodicea. Speaking to the church of Laodicea. This is the final church. This is the church that I believe the world's in today. He gave a great card to seven churches, seven types of churches, seven real churches. And he says in Revelation 3 and 17, Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind and naked. The Lord said, because of that, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. There are several places in the Bible where gold speaks of worship for God. Remember when he was born, what they brought to him? Remember what the wise men brought to Christ? He says, when you come before me in the judgment day, all your works will be passed through a fire. 
There's two kinds of works, gold, silver, precious stones we talked about. Gold is honest from the heart. Nothing between you and him worship for who God is. He said, I counsel you to learn how to worship. That's what he's saying. I counsel you to buy with me gold tried in the fire. Your worship is going to be tried in the fire. What you believe about God and how you're going to live and what you're going to do and who you're going to be with and what you're going to say. And the motive behind it all is going to be tried by fire in this world. People are going to shoot at you. Spouses come up against each other. Children against their parents. The Bible talks about it. Your business partners out in the world. You might make a comment in the supermarket and somebody says something. Your neighbor says, I hate that person. They're Christians. I just can't stand that idea. The Lord said, just love me. It'll be all right. Just love me. And by the way, I don't see as much fire toward Christians that are honest as I do toward hypocrites. People can't hardly stand that. If you say, if you talk one thing and live another, folks, here, here's what the Lord does. He takes away your reward or, of witness. People just simply will not listen. He'll make animals turn away from you. It's amazing when people live a hypocritic life and say and use the jargon of church, use the jargon of the Bible, use the words of the Lord, and they treat their spouses, they treat their families, their jobs, their income, they treat it all different in front of the world, and they see it. Hypocrisy will take away your witness. You'll have none. And no matter how hard you try, you'll never, you're spinning wheels in mud. And uh, I've had many, honestly, through the years come to me and say that. They've said that to me. I know it's true. They say this, well, it is true. I... And folks, I'm not going to be here forever. I know it. And you know it. But when I'm gone, when I'm gone, did my children believe me? Did those who lived with me touch me in my house? Did they believe that I believe what I said? I was privileged to grow up with a man like that. Not everybody liked what he said. A lot of times we didn't care for it much. But he said the same thing wherever he was. And I had men at his funeral comment on that. He was the same man everywhere. My dad was kind of the guy you loved or you hated because he didn't pull any punches and he didn't care who was listening. Wasn't particularly mean, but he wasn't particularly soft. And he just said what was, in his mind, right. Now I want to say this to you. If you're not a Christian who talks the same way everywhere, and if you're not a person who lives what you say, your witness is null and void in this planet. Even animals will shun you. The Lord made it that way. The Lord made it that way. The Lord said, I counsel you to buy some worship that's tried in the fire. My counsel to you who think you're rich and have need of nothing, you don't know that you're poor and blind and naked and desperate, you need to buy some, some fire-tried worship. That means you love me the same wherever. You love me the same wherever. Someone treats you bad, you love me the same. Someone treats you good, you love me the same. You get what you want, you don't get what you want. You have a good day, a bad day. You're hurt, you feel good. There's enough, there's not enough. On any of those days, you love me the same. You love me the same. 
And you know what? Everybody's watching. If you don't think the world's watching, say you're a Christian and cuss. If you don't think the world's watching, say you're a Christian and steal something in front of people. You see all these people who don't know much about the Lord know this much. Oh, uh, you shouldn't be doing that. They're not sure what they should be doing, but they're sure what you shouldn't be doing. That's the world. The next phrase in this passage we get to is Jesus turns to the Pharisees and says, What thank you, Christ? Whose son is he? What thank you, Christ? We're going to look at that next week. I want you to have that in your mind, to think about it, to ponder the idea. What do you think of Christ? In all candidness, I'm going to tell you when I was a young preacher, I would read these questions of the Lord. I would read the questions of the Lord and I would think, I don't know how you answer that. And then this, in a flash of brilliance, I realized one day that all those questions are answered by our life. But thank you, Christ. Very, very similar to John chapter 11 when Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Do you believe that? Do you? Father, we thank you for this hour. We're so grateful for your love for us. Father, we're thankful you give us the word. This is clear. Help us to, by your spirit, the author of the book, understand your precepts. Help us to live them out, appropriating every idea, every thought, every command. Help us to love you. Help us to live for you now. Go with each one here as we go home this week. Accept our worship now. In Jesus' name. Amen.